0: you know hogarth we live in a strange and wondrous time the podcast age but there's a dark side to progress ever hear of late seating
1: yeah it's a movie review podcast
0: classic movie review podcast hogarth and all that that implies even now it's on the internet watching us we can't see it but it's there we don't know who they are or what they can do i don't feel safe do you what are you talking about? What am I talking about? What am I talking about? I'm talking about your gall-darn security. While you're snoozing in your jammies back in Washington, we're wide awake and worried. Why? Because everyone wants what we have. Everyone. You think this podcast is fun? But who made it? The Russians? The Chinese? The Martians? Canadians? I don't care! We didn't make it, and that's reason enough to assume the worst and blow it to kingdom come. Now you'll tell me about this podcast, you're gonna lead me to it, and we're going to destroy it before it destroys destroys us I am not a gun Hello everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding and I'm Steve Shives. And on this show we take a classic film and we see if it lives up to its reputation, whether or not that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, the movie is so good. Oh, <laughs> I know, it's right? It's so good. I don't think I can make it through this without crying, Steve. (laughs) Steve, you tell him what we're
1: reviewing this time around. Oh, I'll take it from here, honey. It's okay. Okay. You you have yourself a good cry. We're reviewing reviewing, uh, a little movie called The Iron Giant. That's right. (laughs) The Iron Giant. The shocking true story of what happened when Prime Minister of Great Britain Margaret Thatcher was attacked one night by a radioactive alien creature and soon found herself growing to a massive inhuman size. Can your nerves stand the strain they must endure to see the thrilling tale of that fateful day when the Iron Lady became the Iron Giant? I've never seen you get possessed by the spirit of Edward ever. (laughs) Is he comfortable in there? He, 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 I mean, he doesn't care for my fashion sense. <laughs> no. But he's <sighs> mostly comfortable, yes. That isn't what we no, reviewed. No, it's a different movie. What movie did we review? We're reviewing the beloved 1999 animated feature directed by uh, the guy who would go on to become a legend of his field, Brad Bird. The Iron Giant. Yay!
0: That's right, the Iron fucking Giant. Now, as you guys, longtime listeners of the show have heard, we lamented that we couldn't review The Iron Giant because we felt that it wasn't considered a classic. And then I did something funny, which was called Research, and found out that it is considered a classic and that more and more people have learned about it thanks to the wondrous things called Blu-ray and dvd and i don't know if it was released on vhs it might have been
1: so wait a a minute also are you are you telling me that you did research and new information caused you to revise your prior opinion you you do know that this is going out on the internet right yeah i know you're not allowed to do that
0: i am don't tell me what to do (laughs) i decide who i am oh nice nice we didn't plan that nope Okay. Um, so Steve, before we get started and I have to just lie down in a fetal position and start crying, could you please, do you have any, uh, trivia that you would like to share with the audience?
1: I do have some trivia and hopefully it's trivia that won't make you cry. Um... Well, uh, as uh, there's no guarantee. The, there, is no. <laughs> there is nothing related to this film that does not make me cry. Um, well, as we're going to get to in a few minutes here when we talk about the Who Made It, uh, this movie was an adaptation of a novel. And mm-hmm. the film, The Iron Giant, was not the first adaptation of that novel. It was previously adapted, get this, as a concept album by Pete Townsend. Who recorded it in uh, 1989, actually, 10 years before The Iron Giant, the film, was released? Uh, and it was called The Iron Man, which was the title of the original novel, uh, The Iron Man, the musical. And the whole album is available on YouTube for anybody who wants to listen to it. Uh, it's not what I would call great. <laughs> it, it has its no. moments, but it's not very good altogether. But the one thing it does have that is absolutely awesome, especially if you're a fan of the same kinds of music that I'm a fan of, is the casting of the various roles on this album because uh not only does it also have pete townsend's uh uh bandmate from the who roger Daltrey, it also has nina simone and starring as the iron giant john lee hooker how fucking cool is that <laughs> so on the basis of wait the, a minute wait a minute yes john lee hooker as the voice of the iron giant and he has a song called i eat heavy metal <laughs> And it sounds pretty much exactly how you would expect it to sound, if you imagine just John Lee Hooker, in his inimitable style, singing, I eat heavy metal. (laughs) Okay. So, anyway, yeah.
0: That's great. So rush out, go back in your time machine... Try to watch that musical. I don't know how they did it. I really don't. How? What did they did they well, stick it's... John Lee Hooker in a giant suit and
1: push <laughs> him out on stage? See, there was there was a stage version, but I don't think Hooker was in the stage version. The, the, he was on the album. It was originally a concept album, and then there there was actually a stage version put up a couple years later. But I'm not sure what the cast of that was. Um, but John okay. Lee Hooker was the cast in the uh, in the original album. So
0: cool. Yeah. Well, I don't got nothing, so we're going right into the Who Made okay. It's, Right? Go for it. We're going right into. <laughs> It. jump in it was, direct, it was directed by brad bird now you guys know who brad bird is and if you don't i'm going to tell you what else he did he was the uh, creative consultant for the simpsons for eight years for the first eight years the good eight
1: years what a lot
0: of people call the golden age of the simpsons
1: <laughs> when it was can't miss comedy gold every week
0: right and then he immediately left the simpsons to make this movie he also made what is also one of my favorite movies of all time the incredibles and then followed that shit up with Ratatouille, yeah. <laughs> and he also directed uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. And then he made Tomorrowland, which I never saw. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really terribly interested in watching a Disney movie about one of the lands in its theme park. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I could watch it now, but you no. Know.
1: Cinderella's Castle: The Movie. <laughs> what? They made a whole movie about it? They made a Country Bears Jamboree movie? They did. Yes, they did. Well, fuck. I mean, and when, I- that
0: fa- when that failed awfully, they ripped the entire Country Bears Chamboree <laughs> out of the
1: parks. <laughs> Failure does not live in Disneyland.
0: <laughs> uh, s- produced by Allison Ab- Abbott, I think. Sure. She won a BAFTA for this movie. Good for her. Um she's done a lot of stop motion movies. Um as a like an executive producer from she's worked on, you know, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh other shit. <laughs> you can tell, yeah. Um she mostly works in animation. Um her latest movie was Lego Movie. Also huh. a good movie. Other guy was Des uh Des McN- McAniff? Nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> Screenplay by Tim McCandless, who also wrote Secondhand Lions. Haven't seen it. Posters looked stupid. I hear a lot of people say that it's an overlooked classic. I've never seen it, so I don't know.
1: Well, that's why it's overlooked then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I haven't seen it. I didn't realize you're, you're, that
0: I had that much weight on my shoulders, Dave. You are,
1: you are in the act of overlooking it right Did people
0: now. People go, Did Jason already go see that movie? Nope. Oh, fuck I'm it. Fucking then. overlooked
1: classic. Shit.
0: <laughs> I know that's not true because there's plenty of hit movies that I didn't bother to go see. Yeah. <laughs> Story by Brad Bird, based on, as Steve said, The Iron Man by Ted Hughes, um, starring um, Eli Marienthal as Hogarth Hughes. He hasn't really done much of anything after that. He played the younger brother on the American Pie movies. So it's probably the only other notable thing. Mm. And I would just take that credit and just kind of snip it right out. It
1: <laughs> Get to s- scratch that off the resume.
0: He is officially <laughs> retired from acting. Vin Diesel as the Iron Giant, and originally they were going to go with a kind of mechanical sound, like a synthesizer voice,
1: and then they said no. (laughs) (laughs) So they hired Vin. Also, didn't they originally, I read somewhere, I don't know if he was ever officially cast, but they they wanted uh, Peter Cullen, the guy who does the voice of Optimus Prime at one point.
0: That would have been distracting. Yeah, I know. Okay, Christopher McDonald as Kent Mansley. You guys will know him as the jerk husband from Thelma and Louise. Yes. Harry Connick Jr. is Dean McCoppin. We've talked about him before when we reviewed Independence Day. He's also been in a bunch of shitty romantic comedies. <laughs> now he's not doing much of anything, as near as I can tell. <laughs> he's... Jennifer Aniston in the only role I like Aww. that she's ever done, <laughs> as Annie Hughes Hogarth's mother. <laughs> John Mahoney, one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah. One of I mean just everything he's done I've liked. As General Shannon Rogard, you know John Mahoney from Frasier Yep. Um he's been in a couple other movies. He was in Tin Men, I think, and he was the dad in Say Anything. Yep. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah. My brain's still working. Hey, okay. yeah, you, yeah.
1: <laughs> Who's John Mahoney? Em- <laughs> That's not what this says.
0: M. Emmett Walsh as Earl Stutz. You guys know M. Emmett Walsh. He's been in everything. <laughs> He's he's a, he's a kind of overweight character actor older guy uh my favorite role of his was as the um... <laughs> As the guy who was constantly telling a story in *Raising Arizona*, <laughs> you guys, you just look him up. As soon as you see his face on Google Image Search, you'll know who yeah. I'm talking about. James Gammon as Marv Loach and Floyd ToBo, um, you'll know him too. Um, his most notable role in movies, I think, was in *Major League* as the coach. Um, another another one of those character actors um, has a d- very distinctive voice. Um, On stage, he was utilized a lot by Sam Shepard in a lot of his plays, Uh uh, most notably Native Son, where he was nominated for a Tony. He's a really great actor. Um, And Cloris Leachman as one line in the movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good for her for making the cut. She has one line in the film. They could have had anybody do it. Here, watch.
0: Hogarth, you pay attention now. That's it. You didn't need to hire Cloris Leachman to do it. I just
1: did it for you for free. I like to imagine her only recording that line and then everybody breaking into applause and going, Cloris Leachman, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Everybody, let's thank Cloris Leachman. That's a I wrap I they her. paid
0: her a lot for her time to walk into the studio, say one line, and
1: leave. And I hope she let fly a tirade of profanity <laughs> call me in here and last,
0: lastly Ollie Johnston and Frank Thomas as the train engineers now Johnson and Thomas um, were animators. Mm and members of of Disney's nine old men. They were basically nine old guys, they'd worked on everything and they were inspirations for a number of people. This isn't going to be the only time that he puts them into one of his movies. He also puts them in at the end of The Incredibles. And they also have uh their likenesses and their voices contribute to The Incredibles as well. So oh, it's a nice little love letter to them saying I li- I like you guys. Thank you. <laughs> so there. Music by Michael Kamen. Michael has worked on a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, a lot of them. Like, one of my favorite movies, The Adventures of Baron Munkhausen. Um, also Brazil. And, uh, I don't know, he's got a laundry list of movies. He's mostly, a, a uh, you know, an orchestration composer. He does ballets and stuff like that. But he also contributed to movies. Unfortunately, he also contributed to Mr. Holland's Opus, Uh-oh. which is maybe one of the worst films ever made.
1: Ooh. It's a little on the sentimental side. You think it is?
0: (laughs) But I mean, he's a a guy who loves music, but his son is deaf. Oh, the irony. (laughs) (sighs) Cinematography by Stephen Wilsbach, edited by Darren T. Holmes, production company Warner Brothers, feature animation. And here comes my rant. Oh, boy. (laughs) Get off me, dog. I got to be angry.
1: All right. <laughs> Give <him room. clears throat>
0: Sorry, Lily. I can't. I got daddy. No, I know. You're trying to keep me from having a heart attack. <laughs> Calm, it's down, okay, Calm down, dad. Calm down, dad. So, a lot of people are wondering hey, how come the Iron Child didn't like do major business and become famous right away? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Warner Brothers are, I, as near as I can tell, Every executive in Warner Brothers, as soon as they walk into the building, someone hits them really hard on the head with a sledgehammer to make them as stupid as possible. <laughs> Warner Brothers failed this film hard. Yes, they did. Now, here's the reason why. They tried. Their previous animated movie was something called Quest for Camelot. Never heard of it? There's a reason. Um, they didn't they tell anybody. Oh, yeah, they made market tie-ins. They made toys. They got deals with, with Burger King and McDonald's and everything else. And everyone was like, here it comes. And it was just basically them aping Disney. Yeah. And the movie sucked, and it tanked. And the geniuses at Warner Brothers, who had already started work on Iron Giant, cut the budget of the movie, which was a little beneficial to the movie itself because they also kind of, you know, stopped making suggestions. I mean, they still <laughs> made a couple of suggestions like, you know what? The kid needs a dog sidekick
1: good idea.
0: You guys haven't noticed that he already kinda of has a gigantic metal one. Yeah, like
1: and but he needs a dog too. People like dogs. Uh huh. Okay.
0: And um so this is gonna I'm gonna jump back and forth between the two, so I'm just gonna get these other couple of things out of the way. Release date, August sixth, nineteen ninety nine. Running time eighty seven minutes, budget seventy to eighty million dollars, box office thirty one million. what wow. It didn't even make half of its budget back. No. Now the reigning theory, well if it's less of a theory more of a uh, more of a fact is that Warner Brothers failed to promote the film they didn't know what they had they had test screened it and it got a standing ovation they had the, they when they had the exit reviews of the people who saw it they had the highest approval rating from an audience that they had ever received from a movie that they had tested it on and yet <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this. Despite the fact that they had two and a half years to get brand deals in, they had no promotion. They produced a poster for it a month before it was going to be released. They never told anybody when it was going to be released. They didn't have promotions with, like, Burger King or anything else like that. They barely put commercials on to the television, and they rushed a trailer into the movie theaters. In other words, Warner Brothers failed this film hard. Big time. Because they didn't know what they had. Now... A lot of people know that I don't really like Hollywood, and I don't really like the Hollywood mindset. And here's one of the reasons why. And if you think that I'm, this is only attributable, attributable to this one person, this kind of thinking, I think, prevails at Warner Brothers today. <laughs> so here is the quote from Lorenzo de Buenaventura, who was the president of Warner Brothers at the time when they asked him what happened. And what he, his takeaway was, people always say to me, why don't you make smarter family movies? The lesson is, every time you do, you get slaughtered. (laughs) Ha ha! Ah, so what does that prove they don't learn a fucking thing, yeah, they don't listen they don't pay attention. You want to know why the Justice League movies just get worse and worse why the d c cinematic universe seems to be spiraling down the toilet faster than it's be the flush water with it it's because they don't learn they yeah. don't listen they they make up their own minds about what went wrong, and they don't pay attention to anyone who's telling them what's going on. <sighs>
1: Isn't it nice and that this company is in charge of some of our favorite properties?
0: I know. <laughs> All right, Steve. All right. I got to. All right. Fine. You know what? Fine despite Warner Brothers sabotage of this as we said thanks to DVD release cuz after the fact when the when the reviews came in yeah. and there were 100% positive they tried desperately to try to see if they could recoup something through DVD sales and stuff like that when it made it to TV a year later oh. Cartoon Network ran it 24 hours a day at Christmas time yeah that's how a lot of other people managed to see this film.
1: I don't think, I don't know anyone who has seen it who doesn't love it. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those movies. And to, yeah, to think that it wasn't a box office hit is just, it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Like, it,
0: you would think this would become a lesson yeah. to the studio. But nope, 20 years later, they're still making the same fucking mistakes they always <laughs> do. <laughs> All right, I got to get rid of this anger. It's, I got to release really, it. Please, yes, stay, yes please. yes, yes. Can we can we can we can we go into the world of the Iron Giant? I I think least?
1: it's probably for the best for both of us that we do that as quickly as possible. Yeah.
0: Okay, Daddy. I'll get on my motorcycle. <laughs> hey, I'm hip. <laughs> We're gonna ride into Rockwell, Maine. We're gonna go to that diner. We're gonna become best friends with Soul We're gonna be friends with the Iron Giant. Yay! And I'm never leaving.
1: <laughs> I want to stay.
0: In Rockwell, Maine, today, an insane man, (laughs) wrapped in (laughs) tinfoil, attempted to push some children off a clock tower in order to save them.
1: I know you're not a gun. It's okay. Calm down. I know. But I'm not one! I (laughs) know! I'm a clearly disturbed individual wrapped in tinfoil! Why won't you help me? (laughs) All right,
0: Steve. Let's go into the world of Iron Giant. Please take it away. Ah, uh,
1: well, here we are. First of all, we 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 start in outer space
0: and space. Yes,
1: yeah, it's when we see the Sputnik. Yeah, oh, the yes, the dreaded Sputnik that. Uh, Struck terror into the hearts of every American. Not every American, because it was basically a radio in a metal ball. Yeah, It was, <laughs> that, they that didn't was completely know that. harmless.
0: <laughs> Them Ruskies are up there in that Sputnik, and they're looking at yeah. us all the time, Charlie.
1: <laughs> like, nah, not really. <laughs> they can see me when I take a poop on the toilet. That's how space works. <laughs> nah, it's just a metal basketball with some antennas I know. on it.
0: No, no, don't tell me that. I know for a fact that the Russians want to know what I do when I poop. <laughs>
1: You can't even see the picture on your TV clearly. How the Russians are supposed to see you when you poop?
0: Because it's up in space. See, they put it up in space.
1: That don't make no That's sense. The difference.
0: Don't argue with me anymore. Drink your drink. All right. Anyway,
1: <laughs> now we're doing this in now, movies. We thank like. Thank you, ladies and a-
0: gentlemen. That was our su- summation
1: of the 1950s. <laughs> thank you. Scene. Uh, yeah. So Sputnik flies. Your yeah,
0: nicotine levels are down. Smoke another cigarette. <laughs>
1: I'm worried about you. I haven't seen you drink a beer for about 10 minutes. Um, You haven't punched a guy?
0: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so a meteor comes shooting in. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it
0: it kills all the dinosaurs. Yay.
1: Fuck the dinosaurs. No, it it crashes in the water. uh, What water? In in, in the ocean. (laughs) Like in a bucket of pot? Oh, okay, in the ocean. In the ocean. And (laughs) And then what happens? and, And there's a guy on a boat. And he's yeah, the like, old man in the sea. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh boat. shit, I'm gonna die!" And
0: yeah, never should have gone after that marlin. Yeah, like, what am I? <laughs> what
1: am I doing out here? I'm just asking for this to happen. <laughs> Why am I alone in a boat? <laughs> and he's like, he's like on the radio calling for help. You know, um, going, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Please save me. Endanger your own lives to save mine. I took the boat out again, and I have no pants on. <laughs> I don't know where oh, I am. Oh, Earl. <laughs> Better go out and get him. But he thinks he sees...
0: Well, well. first he sees the meteor crash, right? Right, right. And then he thinks he sees the, the lighthouse.
1: Yeah, but then the lighthouse turns around and looks at him, and it has two eyes instead of one.
0: <laughs> no, that lighthouse is broke. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then he runs into the two-eyed lighthouse... Yep. And it turns out to be a two-eyed giant robot thing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And then he, he finds himself on the rocky shores of Maine.
0: Well, yeah, because his ship sinks yeah. and he gets thrown from the boat. Yeah. And then he's, like, at the base of the real lighthouse. And he's like, what's going on, real lighthouse? Oh, God, help me. <laughs> Do you know that there's a
1: two-eyed lighthouse out there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cut to rock, uh, rock, uh, Rockwell, Maine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 1957. And, and it's a little fishing village. Yeah, And, you know, <laughs> Pennywise the Clown is in the
1: sewers. <laughs> Stephen King is watching in the theater ready to sue Brad Bird for copyrighted for I'm the only one who can set stories in Maine. <laughs> the minute that fucking clown shows up, you're sued. A- we all agreed Maine is my turf.
0: <laughs> and we see a kid riding a bicycle. Yeah.
1: And this is Who's that? this is our hero. This is young Hogarth.
0: Hogarth? Yeah. Hogarth.
1: Hogarth. And they say his name about a hundred times, so if you don't catch it the okay. first time, his name is well established in the narrative. Uh,
0: okay, so what is he doing? Well, he's
1: he rides to uh, the little diner where his mom works, and he's got himself a little critter in a shoebox. <laughs> a little critter. A little critter. And he goes up to his mom, who's working behind the counter, and he's like, hey, mom, uh-huh. remember how you said I can never, ever have a pet? Well, I got a pet. Can I keep it?
0: It's alive, right, yeah. Steve? It's not. It, it's not
1: dead. It's 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 alive. Yeah. It's,
0: Hogarth isn't disturbed. No, is he?
1: he seems like a normal kid. Yeah, he's not.
0: I mean, his dad is dead. I think he died in Korea. Yeah, he was like a jet pilot. Was, or we something. see
1: the photo of him. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't think he was shot down and then brainwashed and then never left North Korea. Although that's a possibility. They don't really say what happened to his dad. It doesn't we assume he's dead. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can't prove that that's not what happened.
0: I mean, Hogarth has his father's helmet and jacket. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, but he seems he doesn't
1: seem like the kind kid who would bring a dead animal into his mom at work well let's hope not let's so what is <laughs> well it turns out well the, he he's he's about to show his, the animal to his mom and he opens the box and uh-oh it's gone and it turns out that it's a squirrel that hogarth has oh somehow i thought captured. it was
0: an invisible pet yeah
1: look mom and he holds up the So he's box. that kind of disturbed. No. <laughs> in fact, he's got some fucking talent, because how the hell do you trap a squirrel? Well, squirrels can get
0: really friendly if you feed them enough. Oh,
1: well, he must have been invested in this thing, because... Or I mean, if
0: you kill the parents, you can then steal the babies out of, <laughs> out of its little
1: nest. And that's probably what he did, right? That's
0: what I did when I was a kid. You go you out... Kill you kill the parents... You, you you follow the parents back to the tree where the their little larvae are. I don't know whether you call baby squirrels. <laughs> and then when you, you lure them out with peanuts, you clonk them over the head. And then you take the babies.
1: Oh, and that's like a thing you can do that's not awful.
0: Yeah, you can eat them by the
1: handful. They're tiny. <laughs> <laughs> they're like snacks. <laughs> Fry them up whole. The, the hair comes right <laughs> off. Uh so where did the squirrel go? The squirrel is is running amuck in the diner. Actually, it's not running nope, amuck. Nobody not. notices it, but uh, it runs nope. it runs under uh, a booth, and Hogarth runs into the booth to tell the guy, like, "Hey, you know, my squirrel's under your thing." And and who's
0: the guy? The guy
1: is it, his name is Dean, and he's a beatnik.
0: What does that mean, Steve? Like, he does heroin? Yeah, yeah, that's what it means. Okay, but, but it means because he's, he's asleep. He's a, he's asleep in a diner yeah. in the morning, and he's
1: and he's got like a five o'clock. Heroin. A five o'clock shadow <laughs> and a little soul patch, and yeah, he's like, hey,
0: I'm feeling mighty low, little bro. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Snaps his fingers all the time, <laughs> speaks in beat poetry. Do meter. me
0: a solid, little man, and push that plunge on the <laughs>
1: syringe. Tie this off for me, <laughs> would you, little bro? Daddy needs to feel fine this morning Thank you, thank you, (laughs) thank you He's just asleep. Yeah, his drug use is implied. <laughs> he's not, he's a, not, heroin he's not addict. a heroin addict. Um, no, but this is Dean, voiced by Harry Connick Jr., and he's uh, he's willing to sort of play along with Hogarth and help him catch the squirrel. Yeah.
0: They overhear Earl talking about what happened.
1: Yeah, and he kind of takes up for Earl, because the other guys in the... In the
0: in a scene they ripped off directly from Independence Day. Yeah,
1: yeah. Jesus, I thought this movie was going to be original. Derivative trash.
0: Where Earl's talking about aliens and stuff and everyone else is laughing at him.
1: Right. And Dean's like, but no, I saw the thing too.
0: At least they didn't go, <laughs> at least they didn't ask him if the robot did anything sexual to <laughs>
1: Did that robot do anything sexual to you? <laughs> what? What the hell is wrong with you? no. No. Oh, so Dean sticks
0: up to him and says, I saw it too. And yeah. and Hogarth believes him too and says, I believe it too. And Dean's like, I'm just I'm yeah. sticking up for the weirdos 'cause we're all I'm a weirdo and you stick up for weirdos. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and then there's Oh yeah, and your squirrel is up my your pants. Your squirrel there, is in my Hogarth. pants. <laughs> and that's when mom shows up and then he's just saying, I'm just talking to Dean and Dean's like, Yeah And then almost immediately after that, Dean has to jump
1: up and unzip <laughs> his phone. <fly. laughs> To let the squirrel out who hasn't been there come on we can all relate yeah, to that that's right
0: and you would think hogarth's mom would say i never want you to hang around with that man that showed everybody his dick and a squirrel jumped out of his pants Yes, leave that man right. alone yeah because you know dean wasn't wearing
1: underwear well he's a beatnik he was a
0: f- yeah he's a beatnik yeah and so but it was a simpler time yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> then the squirrel runs amok everything gets spilled and crashed and everything and then hogarth is not in trouble
1: yep he has a he has a charmed life kind of sort of
0: yeah um, so Hogarth has to be Hogarth's home by himself. Right, mom has to because you could late. do that in the 1950s. Yeah, it was it was you could do it in the 1970s. I did it. <laughs>
1: We didn't even lock our doors. It was a better time. It wasn't like today.
0: And a completely and totally authentic thing that happens. His mom calls him on the phone and says, there's some food in the refrigerator, don't eat garbage, and don't stay up late watching movies all night. And Hogarth immediately turns around and disobeys his mom on every single point. I did the same goddamn thing. Me and Hogarth. Brothers forever.
1: Because (laughs) why wouldn't you do that? You're home alone. No one can stop you. It's the greatest power rush that a child <laughs> can possibly have to flagrantly disobey a parent's direct instructions because you know they can't stop you.
0: That's right. So what does he do? He sets up a, um, a couch fort in the living room and he's watching garbage movies on the TV. Yeah. And then uh, he hears a noise on the roof and then the TV goes out and he goes, ah, oh, damn antenna. And to you youngsters, there was a time where the only time that you could watch TV is if you had a, some metal sticking out of it. Yeah, yeah. To <laughs> catch TV signal. And he goes up on. He climbs all the way up onto the roof, and the antennas. Come. That's weird. And also, something knocked over the, like a couple of
1: fences. Yeah, left kind of a path yeah. of destruction leading into the woods. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And Hogarth, who is either really, really brave Or really, really stupid Puts on his father's old flight jacket and helmet And gets his BB gun Because you could have those when you were 10 in 1950
1: <laughs> Tapes a flashlight tapes,
0: to it Tapes a tap flashlight to it Which renders the, by the way Which intentionally renders the BB gun completely useless Because the dome yeah. of the
1: flashlight blocks <laughs> the BB gun Unless you want to shoot yourself in the damn face Oh,
0: this is what I should have brought up for trivia. Yeah. The message of this movie is very pointed and in there on purpose yes. from Brad Bird. Yes. Because his sister was murdered by her ex-husband or ex-fiance. Yeah,
1: I was some kind of... A, she was... Yeah she was shot to death. Yeah.
0: So there may be a reason why the appearance of the on, the only appearance of a gun that Hogarth has is rendered useless when he tapes he yeah. tapes the flashlight to it making it and you know you wouldn't be able to shoot it. Anyway, sorry to bring everybody down. <laughs> well, it's, it's <laughs> we, what the movie's about. I mean, Yeah. So he goes running off into the forest. The
1: end <laughs> and he's no, never what seen again. No. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, <laughs> he will he follow he the the whatever it is has left this path of destruction through the forest so hogarth follows the the trail and there's this one neat wide shot where they cut to way way back and you can see that he's cut whatever it is has cut a path in the shape of like a giant person you can yeah, see the head a, and the shoulders iron giant shaped hole yeah, through, through, the, through forest. the forest through the trees yeah um and
0: i think that he gets something that he stops doing after he
1: gets reprogrammed yeah He's, if you
0: notice. He's him. more careful.
1: Yeah, yeah. He learns stuff. He walks between the anyway, trees.
0: Yeah. So Hogarth goes out there and then he finds the giant.
1: Yeah. He, he finds a, a power station, like a substation. Yeah. And the giant eats metal. That's why he's been eating. That's why he ate the antenna and now he grabs like hunks yeah. off of the, the power station, off of like the frame. And That's right. And starts chowing down.
0: And he, the, the iron giant's a little stupid <laughs> and he doesn't know that conductors are not for eating and when he grabs it, it electrocutes him and then he gets tangled up the electrical wires, and he's screaming, and the electric is arcing through his body, and the power goes out in the town, and Hogarth runs away. But what happens? To
1: him? He makes a heroic choice. He decides that he it would be wrong to let whatever that is, which is clearly in pain, whatever
0: that is that is screaming in yeah, pain, it's
1: obviously in pain, it would be wrong to just mm-hmm. leave it to suffer and probably die. So he runs back to the power station, and conveniently enough, there is a giant on off switch on the side <laughs> of the power I wrote the same thing. On the side of the power station. Station, and he's able to to turn it off and uh, stop the giant. You know, from being things executed. were
0: it was simpler back then when we just had giant on and off switches for you know huge electrical yeah. conductors. Yeah,
1: it's just that simple. Well, we got to find a way to turn it off. String ah. up a switch. Well, this isn't hard.
0: Yep. And then the iron giant falls down. Hogarth checks to see if he's dead by throwing a couple of rocks at it, oh. climbing onto his face. <laughs> he checks a rock down into its mouth, and then the iron giant wakes up, and Hogarth freaks out and runs away. Yeah. And then his mom shows up, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, because I guess she and followed he's... the path of destruction, too. She's like, well, that's where he'll be.
0: Yep, <laughs> and she gets there, and she's like, you're coming home, and you had me totally worried. And he's talking a mile a minute, and he's like, Mom, you go know, over there, this giant, giant. And f- f- she just goes, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up about giant iron people, god damn it! And it's like, oh, Hogarth's mom is like a, it's like a person? <laughs> with, like, feelings and stuff? What?! She's not just a, you know, a clueless caricature. That's that's not allowed, is it? <laughs> like, maybe they took it seriously that this is a widow who has to work at a diner yeah. in order to keep food on the table? Hmm. Weird, huh? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> We cut to class. Hogarth is drawing pictures of the Iron Giant. Yes,
1: while they are watching a hilariously on-the-nose uh, animated feature, uh, like little student film or school film about Fallout shelters. Yep, which, telling
0: people that they can survive a nuclear holocaust. Yes,
1: which is totally true, because your desk yeah. is nuke-proof.
0: Yeah. My favorite image out of that is the little girl hiding underneath a desk and a bomb falls directly over the desk. Yes. And she's fine, even though everything is blasted around her. <laughs> There's
1: it. a crater all around her. Yes. I uh, love that. Yeah.
0: Um, and so we cut to Dean, who's collecting scrap, and he's picking up a tractor that has a giant bite <laughs> taken out of it. Hmm. And we also found out that Earl has called the government. Yeah. And Deegan's like, who in the hell is gonna send the government out here because a crazy man said he saw a second, another lighthouse with two eyes? And it turns out they sent Kent Mansley, yes. federal asshole, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because they were just looking for an excuse to get Kent the hell out of Washington. <laughs> just go to Maine and check this out, please. Take your time.
0: Yeah, so he's kind of like, um, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Mulder. <laughs> yeah,
1: if if Mulder didn't know anything and was terrible at his and, job.
0: And had to practice it being a human being.
1: Yeah. Had no empathy or compassion. <laughs> yeah.
0: So he's there and he's like talking to the guys and they're like, this happened and then this happened and... We found this broken up BB gun and, um, you know, so do you think we have something here? And he's like, no, because it's a pissant town and I hate all of you and you don't know anything. And he goes back and gets in his car and there's a giant bite <laughs> taken out of his car. Yeah. And then he runs to get a guy to go look at it and the rest of the car is gone.
1: Uh-oh. Now he's the crazy Aha. one.
0: Yeah. Now he thinks, oh, something big is happening here. Um, And so then we go to Hogarth who has a piece of sheet metal. Yeah,
1: he's setting a... Corrugated tin. He, Sorry. He's, he's setting a giant trap.
0: Yeah, he's setting a giant trap where he's going to take a picture yeah. of the Iron Giant, and he's waiting around for him, and then... He, does he fall asleep? I can't
1: remember. I think, yeah, he falls asleep, and then he wakes up, and that and the giant is there.
0: Yep, yeah. giant's there, and um, yeah, so his whole baiting of the giant worked. He had this tiny little piece of tin, and it worked. Yeah, that's just how hungry
1: up. the fucking guy is. He's like, I'll go for the tin.
0: And the giant, iron giant is my favorite robot ever, and I can't describe him without starting to cry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like a big metal guy, yeah. and he's got a bump in his head. Yeah. And, you know, he can't really talk, but he starts imitating Hogarth. And Hogarth says something that is absolutely true. He says he's the luckiest kid in America, and that's absolutely right. <laughs> I would say he's the luckiest kid in the goddamn universe, and I wish I could have been <laughs> as lucky as him when I was a kid.
1: Luckiest kid who ever lived. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And then it gets late, and he's like, "Okay, robot, I gotta go home." And the robot starts following him. And Hogarth is like, "Stay, stay there." And then he says some lines that come up at the end of the movie that I can't say right now. You have to say. He say say says, I, "I will cry." He
1: says, "He says, um, you stay, I go. No, <laughs> no following." following. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Okay, that's what he so, says. That's what he says.
0: Yeah, that is what he said. Anyway, that don't work. He follows him to the train tracks, and um, the Iron Giant basically kills the train. Yeah,
1: yeah. He tries to fix it. First, he tries to eat the He tracks. tries to eat the train tracks, and Hogarth is like, oh, no, 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 bad giant robot. And then there's a train coming. And then a coming. train starts coming. Yeah.
0: He gets him to fix it, and the Iron Giant is apparently obsessive compulsive.
1: He's a perfectionist. If you're going to do something, yeah. do it right.
0: And As he's lining up the train tracks, train comes, hits him. And now he's all broke apart Yeah right? Yeah. But a little Antenna thing Pops up out of The Iron Giant's head And all of his Parts start coming Back to yeah. him So you know Luckily they have A barn so he Just sticks him In the barn Yeah. And says stay here Right stay here. And his
1: parts Kind of roll in And put themselves Back where they're Supposed to be and, Yeah you
0: know. And he goes Back into the house And uh, he sits down To dinner with his mom And delivers what is Maybe the funniest um, Grace <laughs> I've ever Heard in
1: any movie Ever <laughs> Yes because, because one of the Parts of the giant That hasn't gone back yet is his one of his hands and the hand is in mm-hmm. the kitchen behind the table so it's behind his mom walking back, around like a dog walking around like a dog and hogarth can see it and his mom can't and for some reason can't hear it but whatever and uh and so hogarth is having to say grace yeah. while working his shocked exclamations into the prayer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's anyway,
0: so he's about to lead. He he says he needs to go to the bathroom. He has to wash his hands. Get it? Anyway, he, he has to. <laughs> he's about to lead the dog out. Uh, the dog hand the dog out hand. the front door, and who's there?
1: Right. It's Kent Mansley.
0: <sighs> and he wants to use the
1: phone, right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: He just wants to use the phone. So he goes. He's going to go use the phone, and he's going to. And then uh, Hogarth takes the hand upstairs, gets into the bathroom, and is trying to push out the bathroom window. Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, Mansley calls General um, Gravel Voice. What's his name? General. Yeah. And he's like, I found something. And the general's like, Sure, you have. And he's like, Listen, I found something. You're going to do something. He's like, Look, you find some evidence, and we'll send some people up there. I, we really don't take you seriously. I'm too busy watching Rin Tintin Tin or some shit on the TV. Yeah. Whatever, it, Mansley. And Mansley starts yelling and yelling and yelling. And then he tries to hang up the. He tries to. <laughs> He tries to slam the phone down and and, and fucks that up a couple of times <laughs> and then as after he's lost his temper he practices what he's going to say when he sees them when he sees the Annie again yes he says thank you for using the phone that is a psychopath <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then there's noises okay, so there's noises upstairs Hosegarth goes upstairs He's trying to push the hand out of the thing they come upstairs you make there's some toilet you remember in there where <laughs> he's making a lot of yeah. noise. They want to know it's okay. And Mansley said, this is the reason why you need to chew your food really well. <laughs> they open the door at one point, and he's on the toilet, and the hand gets out. Mansley says, thanks for the phone, and he's starting to leave. And he's sitting there, and he's talking to himself like a crazy person. And that's when he realizes, okay, we kind of skipped something over. Hogarth, like any kid in the 1950s, put his name on the butt of his BB gun. Yeah. Hair. And when they find the crushed BB gun, it just says Hog Hug on it. Right. right. And he's sitting there, and he's like, Hogarth Hughes, what kind of name is Hogarth? And then he makes the connection, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: Hog, Hog, Hogarth Hughes, oh shit, that's the kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And then he he, he very gallantly returns the BB gun, and then leaves and is Mm -hmm. never seen again. No. no way. That's not not what happens. No.
0: I mean, he makes a lot of creepy accusations and shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what he does.
0: And as I'm leaving, as the, he's leaving this house kind of in, out in the country, I notice that there's a sign in the window that says room for rent because the mom says that we're trying to rent a room because right. we don't have enough money. And I'm kind of like, who, who's going to see that sign? Yeah.
1: Annie? You live out in the middle of nowhere. You're yeah, not I'm even in like town. Seri-
0: serial killers and mailmen. And what mailman is,
1: you know, going to need a room? Honestly, she's just asking to be drawn into an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents with that sign. Like, <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere good.
0: Nope or in cold blood. Oh.
1: Anyway, so <laughs> he made it darker, folks. He made it even darker. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um Hogarth goes out to the barn. He sees that uh the giant's fixed himself. Yeah. Right? And we also find out that Hogarth has some pretty good tasting comics. Yes, he does.
1: Cuz he shows a Matamo, yeah. which is made up. Superman, which is not made up. And the and the spirit. Yes, absolutely. I that <laughs> really I and you know when I when I watched the movie this time, I had forgotten that there was a spirit reference and I was like, "You go, Hogarth." <laughs> Reading some Will oh, Eisner what? in the fifties. Look at you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, well, it's also. I mean, what if the Iron Giant had patterned himself after the spirit? <laughs>
1: <laughs> would have been a little different. It
0: would have been a little tiny bit different. Anyway, so he kind of he notices the Atama one is about a villainous robot, and Hogarth is like, no, 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 you—that's a bad guy. You're a good guy, like Superman. Yeah. And I guess I guess uh, the Iron Giant kind of takes that to heart. Yeah. He
1: he seems to. As,
0: as evidence later?
1: Yeah, he remembers. Yeah. Yeah. This is also where, where Hogarth tells him, uh, you are who you choose to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, but he's hungry. That isn't when he says That isn't when he says that. Oh, it isn't? No. Um, uh, Iron Giant's hungry. He's like, we, we don't have any metal here for you to eat. And he's like, come on. And the Iron Giant picks him up, and they're going to go looking for metal. And while they're looking, they find a, an old abandoned truck. Yeah. But before the Iron Giant gets a chance to eat it, Another uh, tow truck shows up. Who's driving the tow truck? It's
1: Dean, the beatnik, who it turns out is... we oh, we saw it already. He, he's a scrap dealer, and he uh, he's yeah. throwing it away. And that's when Hogarth says, Oh, shit, Dean owns a scrapyard. You eat metal. Mm-hmm. Let's think about this.
0: Yeah, and they go to the scrapyard, and the Iron Giant starts pigging out. <laughs> he's making a little bit of noise because he tries to eat a car, and the horn goes yeah. off. And then the horn won't go off, no matter how flat he smashes that car. (laughs) So
1: he throws it over the horizon, and it probably lands on someone's house. Several (laughs) miles
0: (laughs) away. And then Dean comes out, and he sees Hogarth, and he invites Hogarth in, and then he gives Hogarth espresso. And then we get a lot of backstory on Hogarth, right? Yeah,
1: in about five seconds, because boy, Mm -hmm. he he, uh, reacts to the espresso the way you would imagine. (laughs) <laughs> and yep. Like a fucking 10-year-old reacts to his president.
0: Yep, and this is where we find out that Hogarth has been was moved up a grade. Yeah. And the kids pick on yep. him because of that. And he goes into the thing He says, I'm not not smarter. I just do the homework. If the kids would just do the homework, <laughs> then they would be moved up a grade like I am. It's
1: not that fucking hard. It's public school.
0: And this is when Dean gives Hogarth the theme of the film. Yes. This is when he tells him, you choose who you are. Yeah, it
1: doesn't be. matter what those bullies think of you.
0: You decide. Yeah. Right.
1: And then... <laughs> They
0: go outside because there's a noise, and Dean meets the giant. <laughs> and things turn out okay yeah. after some panic. Dean
1: needs some time right. to adjust.
0: Yeah, because there's a giant metal robot, and this is maybe one of the funniest reactions I've seen in a movie, animated or not, when Hogarth simply implies, he says the line, he's hungry, and he needs to hide somewhere safe. And Dean just gets up, pours his coffee onto the ground... <laughs> And walks back into his room, <laughs> into his, his house at the scrapyard, and sets the door. Yep. <laughs> um, they eventually let him say he can spend the night, yeah. right? Hogarth goes home. It's morning. He doesn't get to go to bed because <laughs> his mom opens up and goes, oh, you're awake.
1: <laughs> yep. And he goes downstairs and moves oh, there. Oh, it's none other than G-Man Kent Mansley, who, shockingly, couldn't have predicted this, has rented the room.
0: Ugh. <sighs> And now Kent won't leave Hogarth alone. Yeah, we, he's always ca- talking him, calm him Slugger and Yeah, sport. we
1: get a really, one of the, a, a pretty funny short little montage of him calling him a variety of, like, chummy nicknames. It's, you know...
0: Yeah, and all this other yeah. stuff. Until Hogarth's like, I'm leaving!
1: <laughs> fuck you!
0: And his mom's like, well, why don't you show Kent Ken around? And he's like, fuck, what am I gonna do? Oh, I know, I'll poison him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which he accomplishes with uh, disturbing ease. He... Yeah. He takes him to the to the, the diner. He gets him an ice cream you know, float. to the, drugs, oh, to the, dro- to the yeah, drug Yeah, because he gets store. like an ice cream float. And uh, drugstores used to have ice cream parlors in them, guys. In fact, back in the day, when people said you want to go to the drugstore, they meant, do you want to go get some ice cream? They didn't mean, do you want to go get some drugs? There's still
0: a a CVS pharmacy out here that combined with the Thrifty that still has an ice cream parlor in the
1: front, know where I live. You know, there's one old-fashioned drugstore in Hagerstown, near where I live, that that still does that. Uh, Ah,
0: it's so great. Yeah. (gasps) (gasps) Anyway, so how does he kill Mansley? I mean, what does he do?
1: (laughs) Well, he he tricks him into thinking that he's putting chocolate sprinkles on top of his ice cream float, but what he's actually doing is shaving chocolate uh, laxative onto it.
0: Oh no! Yeah,
1: what a what a rotten little kid. And uh, Mansley, of course, is like, oh shit, literally. And well, no. First,
0: we find out how Mansley is a xenophobic paranoid.
1: Oh, that's (laughs) right, because he goes off on his little, you know, on his tirade. We didn't build it.
0: He pretty much demands that Hogarth tell him where the giant is. But before he can get any answers, he's got to run to the bathroom because he's going to have the poo poo problem for a little while.
1: Yeah, for a couple of scenes.
0: So uh, Hogarth and the giant play
1: around like you would if you had a giant. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. If you were a kid and you had a giant robot, of course.
0: And then we cut to a montage scene of Mansley looking at all the stuff that's been eaten. And no, oh, no, Steve. He found the camera.
1: He did. Yeah. And he, and he found the selfie that Hogarth took with him and the giant.
0: Okay. You you forget. He has to actually still develop the film first. Yeah,
1: he does. He he. he throws together a, a makeshift dark room in their bathroom.
0: Yeah. But before that happens, we go to the lake.
1: Yes. Yes, we do.
0: And what happens at the lake is that the giant jumps into the lake and causes a tsunami.
1: <laughs> yes, he does. He cannonballs into the lake and floods the entire surrounding area. That's right. The lake is now half empty after he's done. One of the funniest and- natural disasters ever captured
0: <laughs> on film. And Dean is done as well. He's like, time to go home. <laughs> so um, then we have Kent developing the film, and unfortunately there's one picture of Hogarth. And Hogarth didn't know he was taking a picture of the Iron Giant at the time, but it's of Hogarth and the Iron Giant, and you can see the giant, is like, ha ha. Evidence. And, and now
1: the giant learns about death, oh, guns, yeah. and has a moment of PTSD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie goes Bambi on us for a few minutes here.
0: Okay, so yeah, you gotta do this part, Steve
1: Okay, so, so You're Hog- colder,
0: you're colder, you like this kind of dark, <laughs> awful shit Hogarth
1: Hogarth and the giant are in the woods and they see a deer And and the giant is sort of like fascinated by the deer And has a little moment with it where he puts his finger out And the deer comes up and sniffs his finger And then they hear noises and the deer runs away And then they hear gunshots One gunshot One. That's right, one gunshot And they, they go to sea and hunters have killed the deer Hunters and run away. Hunters run away. Unfortunately, the giant doesn't kill them. Uh, <laughs> just smash them, just into the hunters gr- them into down. the ground with his giant metal finger.
0: You weren't that emotionally attached to this fucking deer.
1: <laughs> Flick them into the sun. Um, but yeah, so, the, and, and now this is when the giant learns about death, because he he goes to pick up the deer, and Hogarth is like, no, don't do that, just let leave, leave him alone. He's dead, mm-hmm. things are alive, and then they die. The hunter the shot giant, him with that
0: gun. Yeah,
1: yeah, the, the hunter shot him with that gun. And, and uh, what happens when the
0: giant looks at the gun?
1: His eyes go red.
0: And become tiny little pinpring. Yeah,
1: and he's like, oh, that's, that's probably going to come up later.
0: That's weird. Why hmm. did I do that all of a sudden? He huh. shakes himself out of it a little bit. Yeah. <sighs> and uh, then they come back to the uh, ju- scrapyard. Iron Giant's kind of out of sorts. Yeah, right. Yeah, because the whole death thing is really fucking with his head.
1: Right. Yeah. He, they have a little scene where he's like, you know, what, does everything die? Wait a minute. Tell me about this.
0: <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then he asks him, Do you, you will die? And Hogarth's like, yeah. And and it's one of the best scenes ever written for kids. <laughs> yeah.
1: Covering the topic of death. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. because it's honest. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. Nope. But it's still very sensitive. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm -hmm.
0: So Hogarth goes home and Kent Guantanamo obeys him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. He locks him in the barn with a fucking lamp over his head. Mm -hmm. Tries to
1: sweat the truth out of him.
0: Shows the pictures that he found. Says that I can do anything because I'm the government and all I have to do is make a phone call and the army guys will be here. Yeah, and he threatens to, threatens Mm -hmm. to
1: take him away from his mom.
0: Yep. He says the truth. He says it's awfully difficult for a single mother to be raising a child. In fact, we could say that it's so difficult that it would be wrong for us. To, see, this is when he becomes so fucking evil. He just... He yeah. He's like, I haven't been evil enough yet.
1: <laughs> I could be more evil.
0: So Hogarth tells him where the Iron Giant is, and then Kent chloroforms him. Yay! <laughs> Drags him upstairs, puts him in the bed. Hogarth wakes up. He says, you fucker. (laughs) Kent's like, I'm watching you until the army guys get here. Yeah. And then they have a good old-fashioned, who-can-stay-awake-longest contest, right?
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. And uh, Kent thinks that Hogarth has finally fallen asleep, so he sort of drifts off. And then he wakes up. And mm-hmm. Hogarth looks like he's still in his bed, and it's it's the next morning. And he's like, ah, I beat him. He's still asleep. Ha ha. And then Hogarth comes walking by the door, and he's like, good morning. Yep. And he runs into the bed and pulls the sheets back, and it's just Hogarth's helmet and, like, a pillow that makes it look yep. like someone was in. So Hogarth was awake, and oh, where has he been?
0: Oh, who knows? But uh-huh. Annie wants to know why there are army guys out front, right? It's
1: a good—it's it's something you would want to know.
0: So the army guys are there, and now they're going to drive to Dean's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They get to Dean's, Annie meets Dean. They immediately fall in love forever.
1: Yep. <laughs> they don't. Not really.
0: The army's like, hey, you got a giant metal man. We want to see him. And Dean's like, oh, yeah, a giant metal man. <laughs> Dean's they... very
1: cool about the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Takes him out back, because I don't know if we mentioned this. Dean is an artist.
1: Yeah, he's a, he makes sculpture out of the scrap. Yeah, the scrapped he makes he metal sculptures. Him.
0: They lead him out to the back, into this big warehouse thing, and they show him, and the Iron Giant's there, and he's got a bunch of shit all over him, right?
1: Yeah, to make him look like, like a sculpture.
0: Yeah, and he said, look, I'm making this for this guy. I haven't sold it yet, but if you guys want it, you make me an offer. And we're like, ha ha, can't, you suck. Yeah. And then they go back out, and the general's like, look, you dick. No one likes you, <laughs> and I'm, fi- I'm so glad I finally get to do this. You're fired. Go back to the office. Clean your desk out. You suck. Right? <laughs> yeah. And we're like, "Yay, a win!" We're the, the end. The movie ends right Yay. here, right, Steve?
1: Fade out. The Nothing end.
0: bad happens after this. Everybody's happy.
1: No. Dean and Annie
0: have a brief moment where they talk about his art, and then. <sighs> Hogarth is playing with the Iron Giant, and he wants to be Superman. puts a big old letter S on his thing, and I'm Superman. He's like, "Fine." And then Hogarth starts shooting a spark gun at him, and that was not good. No, no,
1: no. That that uh, triggers something in the Iron Giant. The same thing as when he saw the the gun from the hunters, and his mm-hmm. eyes go red. And then he shoots, like, laser beams, and they miss Hogarth just by chance, because Hogarth just happens to move out of the way right before Mm -hmm. the giant shoots the the death rays out of his eyes. Yeah,
0: and Dean sees it. Yeah. And just before the Iron Giant has another chance to do it, because he seems, the Iron Giant seems surprised when it happens. Yeah, And then Hogarth didn't notice the first time he shot, and then he starts shooting the spark again. This time he noticed that something weird is going on with the Iron Giant. Dean saves him. Dean's like, get away from him. And he's like, no, he's good. And he's like, no, he's not. He's a giant gun. And the Iron Giant's like, I'm not a gun. And Jason starts to cry a little bit. <laughs> and, and then he has to pause the, the movie so that he can calm down a little bit because he knows the ending of the movie at this point. Yeah. And he's got to relax a little and just yeah. be okay yeah. because he's not a gun, Dean. He's not a fucking gun.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> But instead, the Iron Giant runs off, right?
1: Yeah, and and Hogarth goes after him, and Dean, to his credit, and to the credit of the movie, figures out what was going on, like, almost immediately.
0: Yeah, he's like, he was reacting to the gun, he was being defensive. And also, the moment the Iron Giant starts to run off, it starts snowing. Yeah. So, Dean gets on his motorcycle, he's like, hey kid, hop on, I know what's going on, we're going to, everything will be cool, because I'm cool, right? (laughs) Right. And then the Iron Giant is standing towards Just on the edge of town, looking sad Couple of kids up in the watchtower, who are, I guess Were looking for the monster, because everyone's talking There's a monster, see him, and they lean Too far forward, and they fall off The top, and they're hanging, and oh no They're gonna die, and what happens, Steve? The
1: Iron Giant rushes in and saves them that's right he Catches them as they fall Yeah
0: And everyone's like Yay And Dean drives up And Hogarth jumps in his hand comes up And what does the Iron Giant
1: say? He says I am not a gun <laughs> Like just so we're okay, clear Okay well that's it Movie's over Good Great <laughs> Fade to black the end Yay What a brilliant <laughs> film No But
0: when he's in town The army that's driving away Sees him
1: Yeah And Manly, Mansley is like See And then the army Fucks up really really bad Yes Yes, they they find, they go back to confront the giant who only attacks when he is attacked, and they and attack him. the first him. thing they do <laughs>
0: is they attack him. Yeah. So the Iron Giant's now running away with Hogarth. Mansley then lies to the general and says that he's killed him. Yeah. And now the Iron Giant's running away. He's getting chased, and they scramble some fighters, and then he avo- avoids stepping on a school bus. He slides down a hill and then he can fly.
1: <laughs> yeah, if he, he, he like falls off a cliff and uh, like rocket boosters just automatically sort of turn themselves on. The giant seems surprised by it too; like he didn't know he could fly mm-hmm. either, and uh, he can fly.
0: And then what happens, Steve?
1: Um, he what does happen? I can't. I'm, tr- I'm getting. I'm getting. He's the, flying. The, next, he's, the
0: The fighter jets are trying to shoot him out of the air. Right. They finally hit him. A couple of times he locks on with him with his red eyes. Oh, uh, yeah, then he, he shakes they, it off. He yeah. shakes it off. But then they hit him and he falls and he protects Hogarth in his hands and he hits the ground and when he gets up, Hogarth is lying motionless on the ground oh, and yes. the Iron Giant thinks that Hogarth is dead yeah. and that's not a oh, good no. thing.
1: That he goes into fucking beast mode the dent in his head pops out yeah and he's like i know what i am and yeah he he turns when into when the like army a, shows up yeah the
0: army yeah. shows up to start shooting at him and um he's got all the extras doesn't oh he? He, he yeah
1: <laughs> he has like like snake guns that come out of the back, and his, they look his, exactly like the the yeah, martial war, war machine stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's war of great. The world. Yeah, he, his head like goes down into his chest, and his mm-hmm. chest turns into a big gun. His arms turn into guns, and yeah, he's just and, blasting away. Yeah.
0: And he starts kicking the shit out of the army, right? Yeah, and the army's retreating. He's headed back to town. Now the the battle ships off the coast are now shooting at him. Meanwhile uh Annie finds Hogarth and picks him up they're driving in a truck back to town Hogarth wakes up and he says I got to go we got to go back to we got take me to the giant right Yeah So Mansley convinces the general to drop a nuke on him <laughs> <laughs> Yeah and he sells it this way. We'll just lure the giant away, and then we can drop a nuke on him from a safe distance. Right. That'll the work. Generals, then <laughs> the general's like, okay, all right, we'll get it ready. Because the Nautilus, a nuclear-powered submarine, is off the coast, and they got a nuclear weapon on it. And it's like, okay, tell you what. Get ready to launch when, when I give the signal you launch it, okay? And they're like, okie-dokie, boss. And so then... <laughs> Hogarth, they get to the they get to the town. Hogarth gets away from him, runs up to the iron giant who's standing by the water, getting ready to shoot a gigantic chest cannon thing. Distracts him. The chest cannon glowy bullet <laughs> shoots off into the ocean and makes an explosion larger than anything ever ever. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone pees their pants. Um, and but then, what does Hogarth do?
1: Uh, he he calms the giant down. He tells him, "You are who you choose to be." Yeah. He
0: tells him, "You are not a gun. You're not you're, a gun." Yeah. Now you have to choose who you're going to be, and he tells him to choose. And then he goes back to normal, and he's the giant, right? Yeah. He's the giant again, and the guy that we love, right?
1: Yeah. And, and Dean has also been kind of trying to talk. Some he's sense talking to into the, the general. The, he's like, if he he only it's just an automatic defense mechanism. If you don't shoot at him, he's fine. Just stop shooting at him. <laughs>
0: And Mansley's like, no, you gotta shoot him, you gotta fire, you gotta shoot him now. And the giant comes walking up, and he's got Hogarth in his hands, and the general's like, I thought you said that
1: kid was dead. You're in so much trouble now, Mansley. Yeah,
0: and they're like, no, everything's cool, everything's fine, we're gonna be, I'm gonna tell the Nautilus to stand down, hello Nautilus, and then Mansley grabs the walkie-talkie out of the general's hand and shouts into it, fire the missile
1: now right yeah and then the general immediately does what any of us would do and turns to mansley and basically says you fucking jackass now we're <laughs> all going to die the missile That's is right. aimed at the at the, the creature's current position which is right over there <laughs> which is in the middle of town we're all screwed thanks a lot how does mansley react he <laughs> he attempts to commandeer a jeep and escape but uh, yep. the giant slams his hand down and keeps him from leaving
0: yeah and so, there's like, can we make it to a shelter? And quite correctly, they say that
1: won't matter. The cartoons you watched in school have lied to you children. Oh, yeah.
0: And the giant wants to know what's going on. And Hogarth tells him, he points to the missile that's going up in the air. And he says, when that missile lands here, everybody's going to die. And the Iron Giant looks at that. And then he looks down at all the people, right? Yes. I am literally starting to cry, Steve. <laughs> And
1: what does he he say? Well, first he says, I fix. Yep. Then he sort of, like, kneels down to Hogarth, and he says, uh, Hogarth, you stay. I go.
0: No following. No following. Yeah. Yep. And just like Superman, he launches himself into the air. Hogarth says, I love you.
1: Just to just to kill anyone else in the audience who wasn't already weeping into their and hands. If you
0: haven't started weeping yet, like I was in nineteen ninety nine, sitting in a largely empty movie theater, <laughs> as he's approaching the nuke, yeah, as the... he's flying through the air, yeah, we hear Hogarth voiceover telling him he gets to choose who he wants to be, and what does the Iron Giant say?
1: <laughs> he closes his eyes and says, Superman. Like, literally the moment before he impacts with the missile.
0: And then it explodes.
1: The missile explodes up in the sky and everybody's safe.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And it was at that moment that I really needed to take a moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just leave me alone.
0: I thought I was here to watch a harmless buddy film about a kid and a robot not have an existential crisis (laughs) at the end of a fucking movie. (sighs) Yeah. And then we cut, right? Yeah. A few months, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, sometime in the future, but not too far, yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's a statue yeah. in the town square yeah. of the Iron Giant. Dean made it. Yes, he did. Dean and Annie are now dating. Yeah. Hogarth is now friends with the kids from school, but he's sad because he misses he misses the Iron Giant, who fuck him wouldn't. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> like, what What regular fucking kid friend could possibly compare to a giant robot?
0: General Mansley sent Hogarth a box, and in the box is a giant screw from the giant, right? Right.
1: He said that was the only piece of him that they could find.
0: And we're like, well, this is this is sad. I'm 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 starting to get regain my composure. I'm
1: good. Yeah. Whew, thank goodness. <laughs> and then <laughs> not done yet. What happened, Steve? Uh, That night, Hogarth is in his room, and he notices the box with the the giant screw in it starts rattling around. And he looks, and the box is open, and the screw is out. And it's beeping. It's beeping and glowing, and it's tapping at the window. So Hogarth Uh opens the window and lets the screw go. And And says, see see you later. Says, see you later. And the screw rolls over the land, and then the camera starts pushing forward real fast, and it covers all this territory, and we get a little title on screen that tells us it's some glacier in Iceland, Mm -hmm. and we see the various parts of the Iron Giant kind of rolling and hopping forward, Mm -hmm. and camera pushes up real close, and we see the Iron Giant's head as the Mm -hmm. parts are coming in, and he smiles at the camera. (laughs) And then, cut to black, the end.
0: And then I scream, don't look at me, don't look <laughs> at me. <laughs> I was once like you! <laughs>
1: Credits roll! <sighs> the end, right, Steve? The, the end? They the, don't have another one? The end. After that? The end. Okay. No, there's not a scene of, like, Hogarth about to get married and then the Iron Giant shows up to be his best man or anything like that <laughs> to, like, to really make you just want to cry forever. <sighs>
0: Okay, good. Okay, Steve. Yeah. What do you think of this animated classic, The Iron Giant?
1: You ever see a movie that feels like it was focus grouped for you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, when did
1: I do a focus group when they asked me, hey,
0: what kind of movie would you like
1: to see? Yeah, and it's like, but I don't remember being in that focus group. Like, how did they know?
0: Um, Brad Bird has done that twice to me. There's, this one and the incredibles,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, there's so much about this movie that before we even get into the story and the characters and the beauty of it that like just it's it it has uh nineteen fifties sci fi stuff which I love. It has mm-hmm. it has references to the the early days of the space program and Sputnik, yep. which I'm a complete sucker for. I love the early mm-hmm. days of the space program, um, so it's got me there. It's got the Superman references and like comic book references in general. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's, it's got it's
0: got B sci- sci-fi movies.
1: B, yeah, B movie sci-fi stuff. It's funny as hell. Uh-huh. It has a really subversive, dark sense of humor, which you find in a lot of Brad Bird stuff. Or like, and it doesn't come through immediately. Like, it's not over the top dark, but it's like it's it's wacky and silly. But then there's that undercurrent of oh, they're joking about nuclear war. You know, mm-hmm. that gives it like an extra layer of sort of gravity and, and also makes it like, wow, that's kind of a dark joke to tell in a kid's movie. Like just
0: a little bit. <laughs> you know, they're joking
1: about nuclear war. Holy shit. Um, so, yeah, it, it just just on the surface, it's like, God damn, this is like tailor made for my taste and my sensibility. Mm-hmm. It's like the perfect movie for me. Um, and then on top of that, they build this story with so much depth and so much heart. And, and that, that is, you know, has the trappings of a kid's movie, but also deals with way more sophisticated ideas. Than, I mean, kids' movies now are, are a little bit more sophisticated than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago, but, um, but, but it, a way more sophisticated, um, deals with some really serious themes, some really dark themes, is not afraid to be sad and, and to make you sad when you watch it, um, and, and to tell a story that has tragedy and sacrifice in it without like immediately rushing forward to negate it. You know, it, it lets right. you be sad for a little bit when sad things happen, which is just amazing and a very underrated quality for a film to have, you know, because a, a lot of movies when, when they have sad things happen, like it feels like they, Oh, you can't let them be sad too quick. <laughs> you know like better throw a joke in so they're not sad for very long like you know iron giant is confident enough in its story that it, it it lets the sadness linger for a bit it doesn't just immediately rush in and have something wacky happen to distract you and i love that about it um and i think that's one of the reasons why it stays with you the way it does because it it feels like it really means something you know the actions that the characters take really mean something and when something tragic happens that it happens for real it means something it's not something that's mm-hmm. undone a few minutes later Um, And it has that ending that somehow, against all common sense and all storytelling conventions, is able to have it both ways, where you Mm -hmm. still have the just unforgettable, heartbreaking sacrifice of the giant, where he stops the missile and and gives himself up to save the day but mm-hmm. then he's also okay at the end they have they're able to do both and and the ending doesn't undercut or erase the sacrifice you know, right. um, it's um, it's an amazing feat of, of storytelling and of filmmaking, and I mean the, the 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 vocal cast, which is largely actors who are not known for or experienced in voice work, uh, is incredible. Does such a great mm-hmm. job. The acting is so good. The timing is so amazing. One of the things that mm-hmm. animated films, even really good animated films, often struggle with, is comic timing because the animation and the voice have to be just perfect. And there are and a s-
0: lot of that is the kid.
1: Yeah, the kid is so good. And, and the, there are so many jokes in this movie that are all timing. If the timing was just a little bit off, it would ruin it. You'd get nothing. And the timing gets nailed every single time. Whether it's reactions, like you were saying about Dean, his first reaction to, you know, uh, Hogarth's asking if the giant can stay with him. How he just kind of pours out mm. the coffee and walks in. That is so funny because the timing is just perfect. And then when, when another Dean moment when he gets washed into the road after the giant does the cannonball and the, the guy in the truck pulls up behind him and says you know you're in the middle of the road and he just goes yeah and, and like and cuts him off at just the right moment and they linger on it for just the right amount of time before they cut away to something else it's just perfect it's so well done it's the timing is perfect the control of tone is perfect um, uh-huh. it's just it does everything right and and it's not afraid to break your heart and it's not afraid to, to make you feel good as well. Couldn't
0: it have been a little afraid to break my heart?
1: <laughs> it really broke the shit out of my heart, though. Um, but yeah, I love it. It's it's it's. I think it's easily my favorite animated movie. Um, and, and one of my favorite movies, just period. It's And I, I loved it from the first time I saw it. I saw it in theaters in 99 and was dismayed by how it wasn't more popular. I was one of those people that was like, what the hell is this? Like, how is this yeah. not a huge movie? Um mm-hmm. 1999 was a great year for movies, and this was one of the very, very best movies from that awesome year. Yeah. And it's hey, everybody, you know movies. how
0: much we hate the Academy Awards? I was looking at the awards list for this movie. New York Film Critics Award, Saturn Awards, BAFTAs. Yeah. Guess, guess what didn't <laughs> nominate it for anything?
1: Would, would that be the Academy of Motion <laughs> Picture Academy Arts awards? and Sciences? that's right! <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, I mean, it kind of gives away like the Academy Awards is mostly there to honor success, Mm -hmm. you know, not to honor like greatness. But anyway, that's that's
0: or to appease or to appease controversies. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah, that's that's my bit. Basically, I love this movie. It's perfect. There you go.
0: Okay, so I don't think I need to tell anybody at this point that this is my favorite animated film ever made. Uh, followed closely by Pinocchio, but for other reasons. And I'm going to use Pinocchio as, a, as kind of an example. Um, there are two ways that you can review an animated film. You can have a beautifully animated film, an animated film. That's where Pinocchio falls for me. I'm not that hooked on Pinocchio's story, but I find the animation beautiful. Mm. I find its background so well painted. I find the movement in it fantastic. I, I consider it a masterwork of animation. The Iron Giant, had they kept this script and made it live action and had those performances, still would have been a great movie. It still would have been a fantastic film. What The Iron Giant is, is not just a great animated film. It's a great movie, period. Full stop. This movie is trying to say a lot of things. A lot of things that most other animated movies or movies in general kind of want to stray away from. We don't get a whole lot of anti-gun messages in movies.
1: No, not nearly not,
0: not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Um, and this was a very clearly anti-gun movie. It was also a movie that kind of made some other more subtler um, comments on xenophobia yeah. and fear of the unknown. Um, things that kind of play into what we're going through now. <laughs> <sighs> What is Kent Mansley afraid of? Kent Mansley is afraid of the other. He is afraid of not knowing what's going on. He is afraid of things that are foreign. And that is what... Um, that is what the Iron Giant represents. He says it at the very beginning. He doesn't care where it comes from. He, you know, he says, "Is it the Germans? Is it the Russians? Is it the Canadians? <laughs> Martians? Whatever. It doesn't matter to him so long as it isn't American. He distrusts it, and that kind of xenophobia is highlighted in the Kent Mansley Kent Mansley character. His character doesn't understand that you don't necessarily have to fear something because it could be something that could help you in the end. Fuck, even save your life. Life at in the end, if you cut yourself off to the possibility that this other thing that you don't know about is a good thing, without first getting to know it, I admire this film for the amount of restraint that it has in regards to the storytelling. It doesn't outright say what happens to Hogarth's father. It hints, August's father is not there, all we ever see of him is a picture of him, and then, of course, his jacket and his helmet. But those are details that could be easily missed by the audience, because they don't say, Oh, you're wearing your father's jacket and helmet, huh? Like in other laziest fucking movies would do. There's not a lot of exposition. I was re watching this movie, and there isn't a ton of exposition. No. no one bothers to say, it's the 1950s. Or, we don't even find out the name of the town until almost a quarter of the way through when he finally tells the giant what the name of the town is. <laughs> And I admire that, too, to be able to tell a story like this without, you know, without having to tell a bunch of kids, you know, this isn't set in your time. This is set in a different time. This is set in the 1950s, you know, to set it within an aesthetic in the 1950s. The Iron Giant is patterned after robots from from classic sci-fi. And the town itself is patterned after paintings by, like, two of my favorite, uh, uh, Wyeth and uh, Hopper, were references for for the town itself. Yeah. Along with Norman Rockwell, but I, I definitely see Wyeth and, and Hopper more. Um, so, where am I going? I guess there's so much about this movie that I love that it's hard to kind of keep it all together. And I've made a whole lot of stuff about how emotional I get at the end of the film, so I may as well get into that, because it is the, the main point. Yeah. The end of, and I've mentioned this during the E.T. review, the ending of this movie is earned. And it's earned through, it's end through earned through perfect screenwriting. In other words, we've set up these characters, their motivations, and what they're going through, so that at the very end of this movie, when the Iron Giant flies off to save everybody, we knew it was going to happen, we didn't want to, we are now solidly, solidly in the shoes of Hogarth. Yeah, All of us are him at that point. So when that giant takes off to save everybody else, we knew it was coming. There's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can say to the Iron Giant to make him not do it. And that is one of the reasons why, at the end of this, when he flies up to make a sacrifice, I start crying. Yeah. And it's not just me. Lots of people do. The ability to do that to an audience without manipulating them is one of the things that very few films have ever been able to do, right? We reviewed Old Yeller, which is technically a kid's film in which we're supposed to cry at the end of Old Yeller because he <laughs> shoots the dog. That death for that dog is not earned. Yeah. Is it, Steve? No. <laughs> it's just there to make you sad. <laughs> that sucks, don't it, folks? That's right. Old Yeller was always an awesome dog, and then he died at the end. That's uh, according to the script. Yeah. In this one, we have we have literally have a title character that has to that actually has an arc. Yeah. As I mentioned, the ET and people love comparing this to ET. ET is manipulative, and also ET the character has no arc. Yeah. The Iron Giant has a massive arc in this one where he has to determine for himself what he is. When you give those kind of stakes and you give that kind of motivation to that character, you wind up really giving a fuck what happens to him, which is the other part of this. A lot of people would say, oh, but then to have a happy ending where he puts himself together. Well, number one, we already established that he could do that. Right. Number two, fuck off. <laughs> no, number two. Why do you hate joy? The reason that they can put that in there and have it not feel false is because none of us, not a single person unless you are a real cynic, none of us wanted him to be dead. Right. Nobody. Right? So when we when they finally do this thing and they remind us, oh remember he can put himself back together again. We're like, fuck yes, good, yeah, good, good. <laughs> Come back alive, iron giant <laughs> So what am, what am I saying? This is, this, is, this is one of those movies that is very difficult to describe. You have to see it and then think about how it is impacting you. If it impacts you emotionally and you wind up loving it, it there's always a good time to ask yourself, why is it impacting you that much? I don't, you know, I, uh, okay, fine. I, loved, I love robots, okay? I love robots. Do you, hear, do you hear that singularity? I love you. Okay? I'm one of the good ones. I have since I was a kid. I do now. So I kind of had that in with this robot character in this movie. But he could have been replaced with a talking tree or, you know, a stack full of penguins. And if they had still given the stack full of penguins the same motivations and the same character arc, I probably would have affected me just as much. Right. Yeah. And that's what's sorely lacking in a lot of, you know, thank God no one knows how to do this. <laughs> Thank God Hollywood hasn't figured this out. or it, it, I would not be able to go to the movie theaters anymore. This movie has been out for almost 20 years. Yeah. I just watched it twice today and cried both times that I watched it. I can't watch this movie a lot because it affects me to a much. Watching a clip of the ending scene in YouTube yeah. can take it out of me. So am I saying is a bad film? No, it's not. In fact, I would say it is almost a perfect film. Can you think of something bad? Do you have something we have to put something negative in it? What's something bad? I I mean honestly. A lot of poop jokes. Yeah, there you go. There yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean it's it's difficult to think of something because it's it it nails everything. Yeah. Everything it tries to do it does.
0: It has a little kid in it that acts like a little kid. He's not some super genius. He's not, you know, nor is he some just complete jerk, and he's not annoying, and he's funny, and you get his motivations, and you understand why he does what he does, you know. um, And also, on top of that, he's decent, brave, and kind. That's nice, isn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Since when can you do that?
0: (sighs) It's nice to see a movie that doesn't have any fucking modern catchphrases or
1: flat-out winks to the audience. That's you know? that's a good point because yeah it's it, it's it it manages to be incredibly funny while not being like jokey or one liner y. Or... No,
0: there are no one liner bum bump yeah. jokes. Right, the jokes come from the characters and the situations, not from someone telling a joke. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's I'm, it's a classic. Fuck it. I'm so glad. It's it's a classic. It's a classic film. And if you haven't seen it and you didn't watch it in anticipation of this, go out and see it. Just go out and see it. If you love film, go out and see it. And if you're like, I don't like cartoons, go out and see it. I don't care yeah. about you and your patients. Go out and just watch it as a movie. <laughs> don't think of it as a cartoon. Don't think of it as being targeted to your kids because it really isn't. I mean, it is and it isn't. This is this is a movie that I proudly start show to my children because I because the messages are good, yeah. because the the story is good, and because it's and it's because it's just fun and funny. Um, granted, granted, it can be a little traumatizing, but
1: I don't know. <laughs> Got to learn about this shit at some point, right? Right, and better to right, learn Dave? better to learn about it from the Iron Giant, right? Right. So classic, Steve. Oh God, classic. You know, you you reminded me of a couple of things. Um, In his original review, written at the time of its release, uh, Roger Ebert. Uh, gave it a very positive review and said everybody did. Yeah, it was yeah. it was critically celebrated. Yeah, at the time, and uh, he he mentioned two things that I thought were really important that you kind of mentioned as well. Um, and the first is that, uh, and he he puts the the phrase "real movie" in quotes because I think he knew it was kind of silly. But he said it's an animated movie that is also good if you look at it as a quote unquote real movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that as you were saying about the the arc of the of of the giant He ebert put it um you watch him turn into a person in front of your yeah. eyes like that's that's what makes it such a powerful character is that you see him go from just you know a hunk of metal from space who doesn't understand anything to a person who knows who he is who is capable of making choices who's capable mm-hmm. of putting others before himself and you watch that process yeah and it's just phenomenal
0: yeah yeah and i yeah i completely agree with that mm-hmm
1: so classic steve classic classic, classic. of classic
0: so i haven't seen it go go and see it
1: yeah what the hell's wrong with you i don't you don't haven't know. seen it
0: that's it we're done i'm all cried out <laughs> <sighs> you know we got to do it again steve yeah and uh oh hey are we are we, we going to do
1: uh, uh recommendations oh yeah we got to do recommendations or, 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 i was or, just
0: running to the end because i'm welling up with tears already recommendations
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can skip it if you want. I don't give a shit.
0: No, we're doing not recommendations. I got a not recommendation.
1: Oh, do you have one? I do. All right. I do. It was actually... Well, go for it. It was actually tough to find one for this because, um, I, I mean, the, I guess the, the obvious way to go would be, well... Because you love everything. Because, and yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, like, The Iron Giant is my favorite animated movie. One of my favorite any kind of movies. So the mm-hmm. the obvious way to go would be, well, talk about a movie you fucking hate. Um But I I couldn't find another animated movie that I just absolutely loathe that I wanted to talk about that I felt Mm -hmm. like would be relevant. But I found another animated movie that is similar to the Iron Giant in the the sense that it includes uh, a a social message or a political message like the Iron Giant's anti-gun message. Um, mm-hmm. But unlike the Iron Giant, which delivers that message in a very impactful, powerful way while not feeling intrusive to the story, um, this movie has a very well-meaning, very important social, political message, but sort of delivers it with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer. And it, and it, <laughs> it, it kind of spoils the movie, even though it's a great, very important message that everybody should take to heart. The movie mm-hmm. that I'm not recommending is uh, another animated movie released about seven years before the Iron Giant called Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. (laughs) Not a great movie. Not a, no. not a terrible movie, not like fucking awful, not you know, but but not a great movie. Um, but it's it's it has a, it has a very strongly stated environmental message. It's about saving the oh, rainforest yeah, and protecting you know animals' habitats and protecting the environment. Mm-hmm. And that's a great message. It was an important message twenty five years ago. It's an important message now. We should all be very concerned and and mm-hmm. you know caring about the environment. Um, unfortunately, the movie is so devoted to delivering that message that it kind of spoils the rest of the movie and mm-hmm. because it feel, it starts to feel preachy and the message itself gets kind of muddled because you, by the yeah. end of the movie, you're like, well, wait a minute, what are they saying? Because there's like a part of the movie where part of the rainforest is evil. <laughs> so you're like, wait yeah. a minute. So is it... <laughs> wait, I thought that the evil thing was the other <laughs> Yeah, so it gets, it gets a little... It's a little... It gets- mommy,
0: mommy, we've got to stop the evil part of the rainforest. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? oh, so
1: wait... Um, and also, uh, this was this was uh, Robin Williams plays a, a role in this. This was before Aladdin, but this was sort of his first big, you know, guest starring role in a, in a, as a voice in an animated feature. And mm. he, they they lean very heavily on Robin Williams and his ability to improvise and be funny. Um, which Aladdin would also do but 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 would do more successfully I think um, and Aren't yet, there
0: fairies in that movie yeah there
1: yeah there's fairies it's it's sort of like it's it's the rainforest but it's kind of magical and mystical and yeah and it's not like I say it's not a great movie it doesn't handle the the message with nearly uh, the skill that the iron giant does where they they not only they make that message in the iron giant it's an emotional part of the movie like when the iron giant says I'm not a gun it's it, yeah it, it's not yeah. it's not just guns are bad it's you understand why he feels that way and it's a part of his character that means something and in Fern Gully it's okay their heart's in the right place but you know this 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 isn't the way you do it <laughs> yep so yeah there you go don't if if you like the Iron Giant probably don't bother watching Fern Gully because I didn't think it was that great
0: okay the movie I'm not going to recommend comes from the same year that the Iron Giant came out and it's called Inspector Gadget oh, don't see it oh damn oh that's it I'm done don't see it don't fucking don't that's, don't
1: that's all that you need to say really
0: yeah I don't yeah, there's not much more I need to say about that I, Inspector Gadget based on the cartoon from Deke in the 1980s <laughs> there were a number of people who wanted to make it at one point Steven Spielberg was actually interested in doing it it went through a number of things and then it finally landed I think it's a Disney movie I'm not sure um, and it's a gross unfunny confused <laughs> um, vehicle for product placement yeah. it's awful it is an awful it's film. It's awful. And when I, I'm not joking about product placement, the mobile has a button that serves McDonald's.
1: <laughs> They're not even trying to hide it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's just right there on Front Street.
1: <laughs> Who would like some delicious McDonald's? Everybody, um, of course.
0: Uh, yeah. So if you want to completely waste your time, your children's time, then yeah, put on put on Inspector Gadget. It's great. When you really want to look at it, you can look at it this way. It's about a, a girl whose uncle is killed and comes back as a robot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work, uh, right? No. Yes. Wa- watch <sighs> Watch Inspector Gadget to prove that Hogarth and the Iron Giant were wrong. Souls do die.
0: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Ah, okay, now that's it. That's it. I'm going be rushing to the end of the review. I'm sorry. Just because my eyes hurt from weeping and I've got a migraine. <laughs> I just want this to
1: end. But Steve. Yes.
0: Steve. Yes, 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 my friend. And maybe this is why I have a migraine, because I knew I was going to have to tell you this. Oh,
1: God. what's What are we doing? What's next?
0: Well, we kind of made a mistake. We did. Yeah, we did. You know how when a new Star Wars movie comes out? Oh boy. That's part of part of the the, the big canon films. Oh yeah. We, we review yeah. one of the classic ones like like when The Last Jedi came out, we reviewed Empire Strikes.
1: That's right. Oh, and they tricked us and, this year.
0: Yeah, they tricked They
1: tricked us this by releasing year. it in May instead of December.
0: And when we when we when a prequel comes out, like oh, Rogue One. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah.
0: We reviewed the Phantom Menace? Uh, remember that? I remember. I remember. I remember. I remember it. I remember it as the day of red when I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and then when I when I woke up the podcast was finished. <laughs> and when I listen to it all I hear is screaming, like <laughs> like you're listening. To
1: hell! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't
0: know if it's a good review or not, because that's all I hear when I turn it on. It's like
1: someone lowered a tape recorder into that big pit in Russia that they drilled all the way down to hell. <laughs> the... You just hear the sounds. Exactly. The wails of the damned, yes.
0: So, so... um we kind of we kind of have to do something to keep up the thing that we've been doing. Yeah,
1: that's important. We have to keep going. Yeah. See,
0: last month, Han Solo or I'm sorry, Solo came out. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is a prequel.
1: And if you haven't seen it yet, I have some bad news.
0: No one else has either. <laughs> You're gonna
1: have to wait for the video <laughs> because it's gone. <laughs>
0: We're not reviewing that movie, though, Steve. No,
1: I I can probably guess... Because
0: we go (laughs) canon to canon, prequel to prequel. Yep,
1: I I can guess what movie we're reviewing next. So
0: the next movie that we're going to review... And if you want to get all the jokes Uh or understand why Jason really starts crying... Oh,
1: boy. A different different kind of tears.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. Vengeful tears. Uh, tears. Um, (laughs) The next movie we're going to review... ...is episode two Oof. in the Star Wars saga. Oh, boy. Called... Steve?
1: Attack of the Clones! <laughs> Doesn't it sound fun? And exciting? <laughs> uh, yeah. So you got that to look forward to? Oh, boy. We're sorry. No, we're not. Okay. We do
0: this to ourselves. That's true. And the audience likes it. likes it <laughs> when we're in pain. <laughs>
1: we do this for you.
0: Alright, so, for late seating, this has been Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week.
1: Oh boy. And this has been Steve Shives, and in the light of our next movie, this this line I'm about to quote takes on a whole new meaning. Uh, (laughs) This has been Steve Shives, and remember, it's bad to kill. Guns kill. Wait guns kill other guns. Wouldn't that be great if that's how it worked? (laughs) I invented a new kind of gun. It only kills other guns. You shouldn't have a problem with that, right, NRA?
0: We've gotta stop gun-on-gun violence. Why doesn't
1: anybody ever talk about that? Just think about the guns! What about the poor gun? It gets shot out of someone's hand. What happens to the gun? You don't know. (laughs) It's lonely. It's a tool that
0: needs using. Uh. It's like Toy Story, but with guns.
1: Sadness is an unfired gun. (laughs) Think about it, won't you? All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late
0: Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.